I would like you please to turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 13. If you could turn to that passage of scripture please, John chapter 13, and uh, we want to start reading from verse 31. John chapter 13 verse 31. Last week we looked at the topic, following the way of love. And of course, uh, we looked at the passage of Scripture in the last chapter of the book of John, and we saw how Jesus came towards the disciples and in particularly singled out Peter, and how they had a conversation around his restoration. And when Jesus asked Peter a number of times, Peter, do you love me? And we remember how Jesus asked him and said, do you agape me? And Peter responded, yes, Lord, I phileo you. Agape means it is God's type of love. Phileo means it is almost like the love that a brother has for a brother. And the conversation carried on and we just saw how Peter was drawn to Jesus. His life was restored and um, Jesus said to him eventually, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep feed my lambs, take care of them. And we know Peter's history, that he became one of the mighty, mighty men of God throughout the generations and how he served Jesus and how he served the church and how he actually did exactly that. He tended to the sheep, the people of God in a most wonderful way. Peter's commitment and faith in God continued even to the point of death when he died a sacrificial death, he became a martyr for the sake of the gospel and he was crucified upside down and that was his choice. He didn't want to be crucified the way that Jesus was crucified because he said, I'm just not worthy to be crucified that way. And so we looked at the life of Peter and Jesus last week around the topic of following the way of love. And so I want to carry on this morning when we read in John chapter 13 and I want to speak about the impossible command. The impossible command. And um, I don't know whether anyone has ever given you a command and you would say it is absolutely impossible to do. I remember when we came to Switzerland and one of the criteria was that um, I needed to pass my B1 exam within one year. And um, I managed to pass it within three years but it was like the impossible expectation that was placed on me from the immigration. And um, I managed to pass it, but it was like the biggest thing within my life up to that point was to pass that German B1 exam. And that was required of all religious workers who would come into Switzerland. And so I wonder about some of the impossible commands that were given to you. How have you fared with them? How did you feel when it was given to you? And um, so we see here that Jesus again, and Jesus was very good in issuing impossible commands to his followers. And um, we see in this passage of scripture that Jesus gives us an impossible command to follow. And we're gonna read and we're gonna find out what that impossible command is. And so would you follow along with me from verse 31. And this is what the scripture says. When he was gone, Jesus said, 
Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, it will, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. But this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Now the context of this passage of chapter 13 is that Jesus got together with his disciples and um, in verses 1 up to about verse 12, 13, Jesus gathered together and he washed the disciples' feet and he said to them, you need to do likewise. And then we see from about verse 18, Jesus predicts his betrayal how his own friends would actually betray him. And so it was quite an intense time of conversation. And then Jesus breaks the ice, as it were, and he comes to verse 31, and he speaks to them about the impossible command that they needed to embrace, particularly since Jesus was gonna leave them. And then, of course, we enter into John 14, where the disciples were disheartened and Jesus comes and he speaks courage into their hearts. And that's the context in which the impossible command comes out of. A selfless act by Jesus to wash the disciples' feet. A prophetic prediction about his death. And then also a prediction about how people will follow him during this time and his betrayal by his friends. But then very gladly Jesus says, friends, the one thing that you are gonna need during these difficult times, these challenging times, he says you're gonna need each other. And so I'm gonna give you an impossible command to follow. And some of you would say, Peter, I get it, I know what that impossible command is, absolutely. Jesus says to his disciples here, and he says in verse 34, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, parts of the sentence we would say, you know, that's cool. Like, for instance, when Jesus says, love one another, we would say, well, I will do my hardest to love you and to love others. I'll do my hardest. But Jesus shakes his head as his disciples, I'm sure they responded the way that you and I would. Lord, we'll do our hardest. Jesus says, no, 
love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And it is at this point in which I see the disciples looking around. And they stop and they say, look, you know, those words sound great. You know, we'll even put these words in a song. You know, let's love one another. And I remember as a, as a little boy, we had many songs that we sang about loving one another and we called them choruses. And, and um, I do remember some of those choruses and maybe some of you could remember some of those choruses uh, that was written out of this passage of Scripture. And um, it is very, very interesting. One of the choruses that were written out of it was, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with love that cannot be broken. There is only one body, there is only one king, and, um, and there is only one faith, and that's why I sing. And so a lot of wonderful songs came out of it. But I'm sure the disciples said, Lord, we can write songs about this, but to love one another as you have loved us, that is the impossible task. It is the impossible command. How can you expect that of us? It's very interesting within John chapter 1 to John chapter 12, the word love is mentioned 12 times. But in chapter 13 to 21 in the book of John, it is mentioned 44 times. So I think what Jesus was saying to the church here is this, that love is a quality that will bind you together and when you are bound together in love, the hard times, the challenging times that you will be facing will bring you through. And so when we look at the challenging times and uncertain times that we live in, I want to say to us as the church that there is this component, this quality, this fruit that flows out of a love with Jesus that will bind us together and that will help us during these challenging and uncertain certain times, these times that are filled for some with fear and for, for some just with dread. If we understand that Jesus said, as the disciples were going through similar uncertain times, times of fear, times when they felt alone because Jesus was gonna be taken from them, Jesus has just spoken to them about this and they say, Lord, we're afraid. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. And so he speaks to them and he gives them a solution to deal with their fears, with the uncertainties. He gives them a way forward, but it meant that they needed to be committed to one another in love, but not just do the best that they can. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. I don't think Jesus was just teaching them or teasing them when he said to them that you need to love each other as I have loved you. Now we know that the word that Jesus uses is the word agape here. And we go back to last week's message where we understood that agape is a God type of love. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, there was a word used for God's type of love. But that was a love from God 
to man and man to God. But that love, that word didn't refer to one another. Now in the New Testament, the agape word in the Greek refers to a love for God, a love that God has for us, but also an agape love that Jesus' followers have for each other. And this is the type of love that God is talking about. And this is the type of love that he is saying will bring you through the trying times. And this is very, very exciting because it is a solution for you and I. And as we're meeting with people, we're having dinner with people, we're praying with people, and one of the common statements that people are making, and uh, we had dinner with someone last night, and the man said to me, people are really fearful. And oftentimes, it sounds great to say, well, just go to God with your fear and he'll help you with it. Well, the Bible says we need to go to God, but we also need to be bound together in love with each other, and God will help us with the fear that we have. Contextually, this is the truth that comes through John chapter 13, 14, and even onward. God has implemented community for us to deal with some of the shortcomings within our lives. So Jesus says, love one another, but he says, love one another as I have loved you. It is almost like someone asking you to jump across the widest canyon. Now I remember as a young boy at the age of about 20, 21, I went to the Grand Canyon and I spent a few days there and I stood on the one side and I looked at the other side and I said, I could never get across this. This is kind of what we feel Jesus is saying to us. He's saying, stand on this side and jump over to the other side and we say to him, it's totally impossible, I can't do that. My friends, again I say that Jesus didn't just tease us or he didn't just try and frustrate us. What he was actually saying was the do the best you can challenge is not going to work. This is the do more than you possibly could challenge. But you see, as God says this to us, I believe that he has us right where he wants us recognizing the reality that we don't have the ability or the power to act with this kind of love. And when we understand that, I believe it is the first step to be able to say, Lord, I will love my brother, my sister, as you love me. But there has to be that admittance on our part to say, I just can't do it. Jesus gave us the seemingly impossible challenge. Not to discourage us, but to lead us to the power or to lead us to find the power to love others through him. If I'm going to love as Jesus loved, I need the power that only Jesus can give to love that way. My friends, it is supernatural. But when you look at the scriptures, Jesus gave supernatural challenges to his disciples all the time. So for instance, in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, he says, 
Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that what he says will happen, it will be done for you. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. It's kind of like one of those impossible challenges. Again, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 28, the scripture says, Lord, if, it's, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. The impossible challenge, Jesus walking on the water. How many of you have walked on water recently? It is the impossible challenge. My friends, Jesus is the God who gives us impossible challenges. And part of the reason for it is for you and I to realize our dependence on him and the limitations of our abilities. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 22, another impossible challenge. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me up to seven times? Peter replies. Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. How many of you agree with me? That's an impossible task. To forgive one person 77 times. 77 times. That sounds like an impossibility again. An impossible challenge that is thrown out to you and me. The answer to why Jesus would expect this from us may surprise you. Jesus doesn't want you to try your hardest. Jesus wants you to try and trust in him. Jesus has set the bar so high that the only way it could be reached was by living and thinking in an entirely new way. We call that Christianity. Christianity is not trying harder. Christianity is trusting Jesus. It is a real trust involving your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. My friends, Christianity is a supernatural faith. That's why you're not a Christian if you gather together with Christians. You're a Christian when you encounter Jesus and you start to follow him. That's when that power is available to you and it starts to transform us from the inside out when we are in that process of developing a faith in Jesus then we are able to love one another as Jesus, as God, loves us. It's an impossible task. It can only be managed through a life of faith in the Lord Jesus when he comes and he changes our lives and he draws us to himself through his grace. And his grace gives us the unlimited supply of what we need to walk as Christians. That's why for many of you, you would say, there is no way I can love like Jesus. Jesus says that if you are mine, my spirit lives within you, 
then it is possible for you to love one another as I have loved you. My friends, during the trying times that we live in, the uncertain future that awaits all of us, my friend, the secret to coming through this is to love God, but to love one another. Now, it's very, very interesting. Jesus says, a new command I give to you to love one another as I have loved you. Now, we do know that in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So we know that these are the old commands that the disciples knew. And then he says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And people said, oh, that we can do. And the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So the first command centers on our relationship with God. The second command on our relationship with our neighbor, those who are not followers of Christ. And then he says, the new command centers on our relationship with one another. And he was speaking to the disciples here and he was saying this new command is loving one another as I have loved you. So it's only achieved when we move from darkness into light, from the darkness of our sins into the light of his forgiveness. And he transforms our lives. We become a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. And out of the new life that God is creating within us, we can actually love others like Jesus loves us. Now, I'm glad you asked the question. You would say, well, how did Jesus love? Good question. How did Jesus love? You know, he said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. My friends, Jesus' love was costly. He loved us with a costly love. And we see here in verses 31 and 32, he says, Therefore, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. And this passage of Scripture speaks about the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. How did Jesus love us? He loved us with a costly love. It demanded everything from him. His reputation, because no longer was he seen as the King of kings and the Lord of lords when he was born in human flesh on the earth. Yes, he was 100% God, but he was 100% man. Scripture teaches. But he didn't have the title that he had. So he had a loss of reputation. And as I was reading through the book of John, I went through the book of John and I was just looking at how Jesus' love was costly in him loving other people. And it's interesting when he went to the well when the Samaritan woman was there and he asked her for water and she says, you're not allowed to talk to me. Jesus says, hey, man, if you knew the type of water I give, you would ask me for it. And in their custom, 
a Jewish person weren't allowed to speak to a Samaritan woman. Jesus lost his reputation by the other people by speaking to a Samaritan woman. It cost him his reputation, friends. It cost him his friendships. The Bible says that Jesus preached a sermon to them, and it was a powerful sermon, and um, it talked about sacrifice, and his friends left him. What did it cost Jesus? It cost him his friendships. It cost him his career, because when Jesus drove into Jerusalem on a donkey, the Bible says that the crowds wanted to make him king so that he could deliver him. They wanted an earthly king. And he said, no, my time has not come. It cost him his career. It cost Jesus so many things to love us the way that he did. My friends, for you to love others the way that Jesus loves you, it's gonna cost you. It's gotta cost me. But God calls us to love in this way during this time. Are you up for it? You'd say, in my own self, I'm not. My friends, no, of course not. But we can do it when we trust Jesus. So that type of life, love was very costly to Jesus. Secondly, love that Jesus loved us with was a caring love. In John chapter 13, verse 33, Jesus addresses the disciples in this way. He says, little children, I'm with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews now, I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot go. But he addresses them as little children. He was caring of his disciples. My friends, how do we love others the way that Jesus loves us? By being caring. I've often said this, that I've been born into a wonderful natural family. And when I look at the way our parents brought us up, it was with a real caring love. And so to care for people is not a hard thing for us as a family. Um, caring is showing your love in an outward way. You may say the words, I love you, but the action that flows from it, we call caring. And um, my brother-in-law and sister, as many of you know, and their family are looking after my mom. And um, my mom's 80 years old now, and I've oftentimes said I have never seen people quite the way love as my brother-in-law and sister and their family. They have such caring love, and it's the outward act of an inward work that God has done within their hearts, and they truly know how to love as Jesus loved, and they challenge me every day when I just see their incredible care for others. Church, people need to be able to see that we care about one another, and it is those practical things that we do that shows others that we love you. I've got a friend in the church, and there's a lady who makes some wonderful chilies within our church and he knows how to get it from her and he buys them and every now and then I say to him, hey, my chilies have run out. Where can I get it? He says, don't worry, I've got an extra bottle. And then he gives it to me and I have these chilies and they are just beautiful. I love it. This man knows how to show his love to me by giving chilies to me and it is just wonderful. It, 
Some people have an amazing ability to care, and I think all of us need to really grow in that area to show our lives to one another. My friends, when people are in a place of fear, it's the caring type of love that will bring them through. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. And I'm not going to read the whole passage. It just speaks about how Jesus cares for us. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you are wear. Is life not more important than food? And then he goes on and he says, Are you not much more valuable than the birds in the air? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? He says, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. And he says, will not your heavenly father take care of these things within your life? Jesus knows how to care for us. He doesn't only say, I love you, but his actions show a church. I want to encourage us during these times. Find people that are lonely within our church, even outside of our church, and care for them. One of the best ways to care for people Believe me, it's just to invite them over for dinner. Don't say, well, just come over for coffee. That's nice. Invite them over for dinner. And when you invite them over for dinner, man, you make them feel special. That's caring. Church, during these times, people need to be cared for. But that's the way. That Jesus loves. You say, well, that's not within my personality. Well, it is within the personality of Jesus. And he lives within you and say, let my part of that personality die within me that is uncaring. And let the nature of Jesus rise up within me that is caring. My friends, as Christians, we sign on the dotted line when he becomes our Lord and Savior. And we say, mm, I'm going to love with his love. My friends, not only that was Jesus' love, a caring love, but Jesus' love was mandated. That means it was commanded. It wasn't a suggestion to say, well, disciples, I'm suggesting to you to love one another. We are in a society where we're very scared to be overbearing and to give a command. Jesus didn't say, I suggest that you love one another. He says, I command that you love one another. Jesus' love that he loves us with is a mandated love. He says, I love you with an everlasting love. That's the way God loves us. He loves us during the good times and the bad times. Why? Because he is commanded to love that way. I will do my best Jesus says, no, your best is not good enough for this type of love. That type of love you can do without me if you just want to do your best. He says, love the way that I love others. That's when my love loves through you. That's when we are the hands, the feet, the ear, the tongue, the mouthpiece to other followers of Christ and also to the world. So Jesus' love was mandated. He commands us. Put up our hands and we say, Lord, I'm going to do it through the love 
that you're giving me daily. But not only was Jesus' love mandated, Jesus' love was missional. It's a newer word, and so I looked at that passage, I thought, man, that's a great word for us to love. He says in John chapter 13, verse 35, he says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. My friends, when we love the way that Jesus wants us to love, when we love with his love and we love one another in that way, the Bible says the world will look at you and I as believers and that the world will know that we belong to him and the world will know that there is a God. Isn't that amazing? Through our love, through our unity, it is a missional statement to the world that there is a God. You can go and read that scripture in John chapter 17, verses 22 to 23. It's too powerful of a scripture not to read for you, so you could just follow, follow along. But John chapter 17, verse 20 to 23 says, my prayer is not for them alone. That means not only for the disciples, in case you thought Jesus was just addressing the disciples here. He says, my prayer is not just for them alone, the disciples. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you and I. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are one and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Isn't that wonderful? That the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are. I am them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. So we see that Jesus' love for us to love one another is missional. And through our love, people will know that we are his disciples and through our love, people will know that God loves them as much as he loves Jesus. That chapter goes on and says, so his love was missional. Jesus' love that he loved us with was also a covenantal love. (laughs) That is incredible, isn't it? It was a covenantal love that he loves us with. My friends, when Jesus died upon the cross for us, he shed his blood for us. Covenant has everything to do with love. And when he died for us, he opened up the covenant to all of us. The book of Galatians, it says, every nation, every tribe, male, female, bond or free, he says, at that moment when Jesus died, he opened up the covenant to every one of us to step into. And as we step into that covenant by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Bible says that he is covenanted with us and we are covenanted with him and it's an everlasting covenant and he keeps us. We can't keep ourselves. He keeps us and there is a security within our lives that we acknowledge because he loves us like that. He loves us with a covenantal love. (laughs) My friends, that's awesome. I want to ask you today, are we committed to love each other in covenantal love? When someone does me harm, 
Do we scratch them out of our little book and say, forget it, I'm not gonna forgive them. I'm not gonna reconcile with them. I'm not gonna walk with them. Covenantal love, the way that Jesus loves means that through the love that God gives us, we love them in a covenantal way. And I'll close here. The section in John chapter 13 begins with Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Because you may say, Piet, where do I start to love people the way that Jesus loves me? Well, my friends, just start where John chapter 13 starts. And it starts by washing one another's feet. That means we will step into people's lives and we will serve them where they are at. We've got to get down and we've got to wash one another's feet in a sacrificial way. What can I do for you? How can I help you? That's where we start, friends. And then secondly, we must say I'm willing to lay down my life for you. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, basically says that we need to love people by laying our lives down for them. And this is what John chapter, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 says. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech only, but with actions and in truth. Where do we start? Just ask people, how can I help you? How do we grow in that love? Are you willing to say to your friend, to other fellow followers of Jesus, I'm prepared to lay down my life for you? When we step into that place, that is when the Holy Spirit comes and he fills us with the love of God. At home, would you stand with us, please, and also here. And I'd love to pray for us before we sing the closing song. Loving the way that Jesus loves. Father, as we stand here, we look at this impossible command that's way beyond us naturally. And yet you have shown us through the Bible this morning that with you within us, we can love in this impossible way. And so Lord, we pray that just as we close with this song of worship, that the word of God would have come while we listen to your word and have unearthed the earthly limitations within us and the excuses that we have not to love the way that you want us to love. And the Holy Spirit would have come and filled us with his spirit because your word says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom you have given to us. And so, Lord, as we sing together, would you fill us this morning with your Holy Spirit so that we can love so much better. Indeed, not just better, but love in the way that you've called us to, to love the way that you love us. We thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.